Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Ribbon Village Church. Welcome, friends, to my podcast. Hope that you are staying warm wherever you are as I record this in single-degree weather here in Chicago. Uh, But I hope that um, you are having a good week. As we start a new sermon series here at our church called Naked, Getting Vulnerable with God, and also as we begin this Lenten season, Lent is a time for reflection, for what we call in the church sometimes repentance, that is turning away from those behaviors that take us away from God and turning toward God. So I hope that you are also perhaps um, preparing your hearts for this Lenten season as well. So today I'm going to read from a book in the Bible called First Thessalonians. This is in the New Testament near the back of the Bibles. This comes from chapter 5 and verses 16 through 24. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. May God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. So many of you know I have two kids, and they are older now. My daughter is 14, coming up on 15 in a couple months, and my son is 11. And so uh, as they get older, of course, you tend to, or I tend to forget a little bit about what it's like to have a young child at home. But I'm reminded of that uh, from one of our staff members, our site pastor at Andersonville, Brittany Isaac, has shared an interesting habit that her daughter has. Her daughter's name is Ruby. And uh, like many children, Ruby is three and a half. And like many children, uh, as they get that age, or maybe two or three or so, they do lots of things that they set their mind to, and they want to be as comfortable as they can. And so sometimes that means just shedding all of your clothes, uh, no matter what the scenario. And Ruby apparently liked to take her clothes off. In fact, she liked to take her clothes off sometimes and just go outside because it's uninhibiting when you take your clothes off and are able to walk outside. So uh, Ruby's parents had to have a conversation about what it's like to be in private and public spaces. And it's okay to be naked at home. That's private space. But when we go outside, we have to wear clothes. And so they talked to them to Ruby about this. So last fall, they had a party for their site in Andersonville. And as they gathered together, uh, Ruby was going to come and join the party. And of course, Ruby comes out because she's in private in a private area that's her home that's what her mom told her she comes out naked and so her moms were trying to put clothes on her and then somebody remarked well you know it's not a party until someone takes their clothes off so again ruby is not alone of course lots of adults or lots of children that is and maybe some adults like the freedom of being able to be unencumbered by clothing just kind of being who you are in all your glory so I noted earlier, we're in the midst, uh, we're starting this sermon series called Naked, Getting Vulnerable with God. And we're particularly interested in how this intersects with our prayer lives. Now, nakedness is not something that you usually equate with your prayer life, as in, I, I can't wait to get naked with God. In fact, sometimes we do just the opposite. I mentioned we are now in the Lenten season, and Ash Wednesday is the beginning of the Lenten season. 
At Urban Village, once again, we went out onto the streets at train stops offering ashes to people who may not have the time or inclination to go to church to receive ashes. And because it was freezing cold this past Wednesday, we all bundled up. I myself put on some thermal tights underneath my pants, put on my heavy socks, had two coats on, hat, gloves, everything else to prepare myself for the cold. And when you bundle up, of course, you know, unlike when you're naked, this really hinders you and you put on layer and layer. And I think when it comes to prayer, we may do a certain thing that equates to bundling up. We think that there is a certain time to pray or a certain language that we should use, a certain structure, a certain posture. And sometimes when we lay all these layers upon ourselves, it can be a little bit like bundling up. We can't move with the freedom that we can when we're not wearing as much clothing. Now, there's certainly nothing wrong at all about praying at a certain time or a certain way or having a certain posture. I have practices myself that I follow. I pray in the morning, I pray in the evening, and I have certain places where I uh, feel like I are kind of my own little prayer nooks. But if prayer is new or maybe difficult for you, just like bundling up for the cold, the more layers you put on, I think the more limited you are in your movements. Perhaps you may see yourself as being inhibited in the way that you can be in relationship with God. So for this sermon series, I want to do a couple of things. First, I want to help people feel okay about getting naked, or if you prefer, getting vulnerable with God. And then second, how can we translate this into our prayer lives? Today's scripture is a great way for us to begin looking at both of these things. So this is another letter written by this man named Paul. Last week we read a letter from Paul to a church in Corinth. So as I mentioned, Paul was one of the first Christian, I guess you could call evangelists. Paul had a life-changing experience of the resurrected Christ, and then he went from being a persecutor of Christians to traveling all around what is today Greece and Turkey to start new churches and share about this new Messiah and talk to people how their lives would be changed by it because his life was changed by this resurrected Messiah and how people should live this new life out. And I think most scholars believe that this letter that we read today to the Thessalonians is one of the first letters that Paul ever wrote. So this is to a new church in Thessalonica, which is in today, Greece. I've studied Paul's letters, I've learned about where he wrote them, and to whom he wrote them, and when he wrote them. But I had never given much thought to how Paul may have changed. Now, what do I mean by that? So I'll be preaching this sermon on Valentine's Day, which is either something that you like or you may wish that it was banned from your calendar, so I won't dwell on that. But if you've ever been in a romantic relationship and you think about how do you communicate with each other at first, when you're in the first throes of love, you maybe be, you're maybe more romantic or flowery as the relationship matures and you convey yourself in this way, whether you're writing notes or letters or emails or texts or whatever it is. And then the longer you're in that relationship, then that love and the way that you communicate change too. How you believe about the person changes. So I bring all this up because we're getting Paul in the early days of his love for the resurrected Christ. This is the first letter that we have that he wrote to a new church. So I think we're getting Paul in the throes of that kind of wonderful first love. The love for the resurrected Christ and the love for this new church. I was reading a commentary this week. 
And one of the authors that I was reading is a man named William Brosend, who is an associate professor of homiletics at Suwannee Seminary in the South. And he notes some of the characteristics of First Thessalonians that point to Paul's being having that sense of first love. Dr. Brosen says, First Thessalonians is as affirming, positive, and hope-filled as any of the letters to follow. So some examples of that. Paul uses the word beloved five times. He uses the phrase brothers and sisters, a very intimate uh, term here, 13 times. Paul describes himself as a nurse. He describes himself as a father with his children who's filled with eager longing to see them again. So here we have Paul sharing very intimate, romantic, if you will, language with this new community in Thessalonica. So Brosen says one of the characteristics of this letter is not moderation, but instead thoroughgoing devotion. And that's what we see in today's text. If you notice the lack of moderation in some of these words, some of the language in this text that we read today, Paul says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. Paul is in love and wants to constantly be in relationship with Christ, and he wants others to respond the same way. One more time from Dr. Brosen, he said this, quote, the shape of the Christian life is not contoured in measured apportionment, one part work to one part prayer, or some other recipe for spiritual fulfillment, but in unreserved and all-consuming self-giving. This is where Paul is. This is not a relationship that should be entered into in moderation. And Paul is trying to get those who read this to feel the same way. So then the question for us is, well, what does this look like? If we are supposed to have this all-encompassing self-giving, if we're supposed to rejoice always, if we're supposed to pray without ceasing, if we're supposed to give thanks in all circumstances, how in the heck do we do that? Well, I think there's a couple of things for us to think about. The first is the process of being comfortable with having God as a constant companion and having a willingness to show your true self. Now, we live in a time where we bear a lot of ourselves in lots of different ways in this advent of social media. But there are also times, perhaps, when we might think to ourselves, you know, I think I might be sharing a little too much, or we may be reading someone on Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or whatever, and we think, oh, TMI, right, in the current modern lingo, too much information. We don't, we want some, but we don't not, we don't want all of it. But Paul, again, remember, is not talking about moderation. Paul is not saying, well, I'll show some of myself here, but not all of myself. Paul is saying we must show all of ourselves. Remember, Paul is talking, again, all-consuming self-giving. There is no such thing as TMI to God. Let me say that again. There is no such thing as TMI to God. And this is why it's good that I am not God. I've noted before when people find out that I'm a pastor, I used to say that there were two reactions. One is that they would sometimes get nervous or anxious and look to leave the conversation as soon as possible. Or they may make a comment like, well, I guess I better watch what I'm saying. I better not swear, something like that. So that was one reaction. The other was fascination 
this happened especially as I was earlier in my ministry when I was 29, 30, and people weren't used to necessarily seeing clergy that were younger. And so they would have questions. They were fascinated by them. They wanted to know, how do you get into it, Pastor? How do you do these things? Now, I want to, as I've been in the ministry for coming up on 20 years, I want to add a, a third reaction that people sometimes have when they find out I'm a pastor, and that is they want to open up. And this often happens, I've noticed, at weddings. And this is, again, let me say, one of the many, many reasons why it's good that I am not God. This happened at a wedding I did recently. We did the ceremony, and then a woman cornered me after the wedding, and she said very nice things about the service and the few words that I said, and it was very nice of her, and sometimes when that happens, I thank her and just do some chit-chat and then kind of go on to talk to somebody else or go take my seat, but she kept wanting to talk to me, and she started to tell me her whole faith story, and then she started sharing some personal things about her life and faith. She was being unbelievably vulnerable with me. She felt like, for whatever reason, maybe because I was a clergy, maybe I said something that triggered something in her, like she could trust me. And so she was sharing, sharing, sharing. And I don't think it was because she had too much to drink at this wedding. And I have to tell you that my first reaction when she started sharing all these things was, TMI, um, because I don't really know you. And so there was also, my first reaction was, I'm here to also have a good time. It's a wedding, right? I'm off the clock. I've done my part. If there's dancing later, I want to dance. The cake is going to be cut soon. I certainly want to make sure I'm getting part of some of that. I don't have time to really receive all this sharing and vulnerability information that this woman was sharing. Thankfully, I finally kind of said to myself, get over it. She's wanting somebody to talk to, and so I was able to to really listen to her. But God's reaction, whenever we share and are vulnerable and are naked in that way, it is never, God is never saying, ugh, I'm off the clock. God wants to be in that relationship with us. God wants too much information. He wants us to be vulnerable. That's the kind of personal relationship that God wants from us, not a kind of distant relationship where we see God as this all-powerful force in the world that we can never approach Or we can only approach if we obey a few certain rules. That's not what God desires. That's not what Paul has here as he shares this unbelievably intimate relationship with the resurrected Christ. And that's what God wants for all of us. So then we get stuck if we are on board with that. And then when it comes to prayer, we say, well, then how do we do this? What do I say? How should I respond And I think one way for us to think of it, how would you respond if you want to share something in your life? How do you respond to the one person, think of that one person in your life that you can share anything with? Hopefully you have at least one person like that, a friend. Think of God. Think of Jesus in that way. Jesus said in John 15, 15 to his disciples, I do not call you servants any longer, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you Everything that I have heard from my Father, Jesus is saying, I have been vulnerable with you, shared information with you. And so because of that, I want you to reciprocate in that way. So once we set that ground rule that we can hide nothing from God, that we can bring everything to God, how do we, like literally, how do we do that? How does one pray without ceasing? How does one give thanks? Well, I say this over and over to individuals at my church, and that is we need to not think that there is one way to pray. 
there's a time of day that we have to stop thinking. There's a time of day that there are certain words. There's a certain posture that you have to go to the Bible. There are lots of ways to pray, and we have to, I think, also be creative in the ways that we build that intimate relationship with God. That is prayer. Building that relationship, living out our prayer, being a walking, talking, breathing prayer. We can pray while we are walking as we're noticing everything that's around us and maybe giving thanks under our breath. We can pray when we're exercising. We can pray with one word. We can pray with many words. We can certainly pray before meals. We can pray and be prayer during meals. There is no limit to the kinds of ways that we can pray. We pray with whatever we have available and however we are feeling. So a year ago, I put an image on my Instagram page because I thought it was kind of funny. I was thinking about a small group I was leading and I needed, I had occasionally one of those kind of moments of inspiration where I wanted to write down the outline of the group and I was kind of looking around what I had to write something down on and the only thing I could find was a receipt from Starbucks. So I wrote that down as a long, one of those long receipts and so I wrote down the outline of the small group on that Starbucks receipt. So I thought that was kind of funny so I put it on my Instagram page and then I tweeted it as well. And then I received a response from a woman that I follow on Twitter whose name is Sister Ann Flanagan and she's been known as the nun blogger. She's pretty social media savvy and I always enjoy following her. And so she responded to me on Twitter. She said, I have a couple of prayer requests people slip to me on the back of fast food receipts. I keep them in my prayer book. Now, when I first read this, I thought, hmm, a prayer book. Sometimes there are times when, when people say, would you please pray for me via email or text or a conversation? And they'll say, this is, I'm struggling with this. And I'll say, I'll pray for you. And sometimes I'll confess, I, I need to write that down. Many times I remember, but sometimes I don't. And so I was trying to figure out a way so that I didn't forget these prayer requests. So when Sister Anne tweeted that at me, I thought, oh, a prayer book, a prayer book. That's what I should do. And so I tried that for a little while, but to be honest, it seemed like if someone said, or if I said to somebody, I'll pray for you, I didn't have that prayer book with me. But then, and I thought about creating something on my phone, because I always have my phone with me, but I thought, you know, the last thing I need or want is just another reason for me to go to my phone and finally, it dawned on me, well, why I keep, or I created that small group agenda on a receipt. Why not keep my prayers on a receipt? I usually have at least one receipt in my wallet, and I nearly always have my wallet with me. So I would start creating this prayer receipt. So if somebody said something to me, please pray for me, I would take my receipt out and write it down there. So this Sunday, in our bulletins, I'm going to put little slips of paper. They're going to be pieces of scratch paper in bulletins. And I wish that I had enough receipts for everybody who will be there in worship uh, on Sunday. But I'm going to instead give pieces of scratch paper. And this is what I'm going to do. So if you're listening to this, I want you to take a receipt or take a, a piece of scratch paper, something that you don't, you don't think you have to, like a fancy prayer journal. Again, prayer journals are great. But what I'm trying to get you to do is to not think necessarily as prayer as this really precious thing. So take, I want you to take a receipt or take a piece of paper, scratch paper. This is your naked receipt, all right, for the Lenten season. This is your TMI receipt. And by that, I mean I want you during the Lenten season on that receipt to put at least one word down every single day during this season. One word now, you can write more than one word. You can do a phrase, a question, a conversation, something that you're thankful for. 
If you want to swear on that receipt, that's cool. If you want to say, I'm bored. If you want to say, I don't know what to say, whatever it is. But I want you to start writing on the receipt or that piece of scratch paper. If you do carry some sort of book or journal or notebook with you at all times, feel free to use that. What I want you to do, though, is do that every single day. Write at least one thing on that receipt as it pertains to your faith. And again, if for the next 40-some days, if you all you write is, I don't know what to say, if you write that down every single day, that's TMI to God, and that is great. And God receives that. Because you're beginning the process of being vulnerable. You're beginning the process of being naked with God. You're admitting, I don't know what to say. I am bored with you, God. That's what I want you to begin to think about and to begin this prayer practice in that way. You may have wonderful prayer practices and so you do something else, that's fine. But again, I want you to do that during this Lenten season and see where that goes. See if that begins to build a deeper, more robust relationship with God and to begin to share yourself, to be the one to uh, give too much information to God that you can begin that process. One thing. Because, you know, as I noted earlier, someone said it's not a party until someone takes their clothes off. And friends, I really believe it doesn't become a truly intimate relationship with God until you do the same. May it be so during this season of Lent. Amen. Well, friends, thank you once again for listening. I pray that you have a blessed Lenten season that you take this time to really begin reflecting on your relationship with God and ways that you can grow in it. Um, As always, feel free to reach out to me, chris at urbanvillagechurch.org. On Twitter, I'm at Christian Kuhn. I'm always happy to engage with you and happy to share more resources if you'd like to know more about how you can build this prayer life, how you can be vulnerable with God as well. So, friends, until next week, I hope you have many blessings and that you begin that process of getting naked with God as well. May the peace of Christ be yours. I